Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of maker moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new maker mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running FreemanFurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Welcome to episode 13 of the Maker Mom podcast. Today's episode, I have the great pleasure of talking with Courtney from The Sweetest Little Life on Instagram. Uh, We had such a great conversation. Really, truly, we covered all sorts of things. And I think there's going to be something for everybody in this episode to take away. But before we get into that, I just wanted to give you a reminder about joining the Maker Mom tribe on Patreon. Uh, Last week, we had our first patron join, Ethan Carter, so he gets a double shout out there. Um, And I've been looking into the tiers. We have three tiers, uh, $1, $3, and $5 for joining the tribe and different rewards at each level. And I've already started putting up a patron only content Um, so if you want to go ahead and check that out and join the maker mom tribe go to patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash maker mom podcast and you will find it right there i would love to have you as part of the tribe and be able to give you your very own shout out at the beginning of the show But with no further ado, I will let you get to the interview with Courtney, and I hope you enjoy. Well, Courtney, thank you so very much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, Can we just start with maybe give a little bit of an introduction about yourself? Absolutely. So I am Courtney, and I run The Sweetest Little Life and Sealed with a Kiss Gift. And I started out with my Etsy shop in 2014 and then started my blog in 2015. And it kind of just grew into this amazing mama tribe. And I just published my first book this year all about how to balance being a mompreneur and running around chasing kids and making stuff and selling stuff and just how to be an entrepreneur and kill it. That's awesome. And it also sounds exhausting just from this side of the, uh, the phone conversation here. Um, some days, yes. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So some follow-up to that. So how many kids do you have? I have three. Okay. What's their age span? I have an eight-year-old, a three-year-old and a two-month-old. Okay. Okay. So decent spread there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then as far as making, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the stuff that you like to make? Absolutely. So my Etsy shop is clothing, mugs, lots of wedding stuff, lots of kid stuff. Um, I used to be a makeup artist and so I did weddings. And so that's kind of where I started with doing 
you know, like bridal wine glasses and it just kind of took off. And then I realized that I could make stuff for my kids. And so anything I'd make, I would just put on my Etsy shop. And then before I knew it, I had like 600 items on there. And that's, so it's become that's a awesome. little family business. Yeah. 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 You know, I think uh, as moms, even though, you know, a lot of the moms I've had on the podcast, they'll, they'll say like they got started because, you know, maybe they needed a piece of furniture and they didn't want to buy it. So they made it or something like that. But I feel like um, kids can drive a lot of that too, right? You're always looking for new things to entertain them. And so I think that gets a lot of the creative juices flowing as a mom too. Oh, absolutely. And like job charts and stuff like that we've made just, and they've been a total hit, but it's because, you know, moms are always looking for, you know, extra ways to do stuff with their kids or be interactive. And I think that's so fun that we're able to like pull that in as a family too. So it's not like, Oh, mom's in the office working nonstop and I don't get to be included. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had, um, oh gosh, it's probably been a month ago now. I had, um, I brought the whole family to the shop with me for the first time to have all of them there because I had some work to get done and it was just fun to hand off like a bottle of glue and a box of scraps to my kids and say, have at it, you know, make whatever you want to make. And they had a blast, you know, that's their creations that we have to have you know, displayed at home now. And I think it's really fun to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I feel like those are memories that they're going to hold on to forever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So you, you kind of hit on it a little bit. Um, actually, no, let's, let's take a step back. Uh, what was your childhood like? Uh, did you, were you a pretty creative kid? I was. So my dad actually raised me. And so from a guy standpoint, I mean, they're not there. They don't want to sit and play Barbies with you. (laughs) So he set me up this giant craft room when I was like 10. And I remember I would just go down there and spend hours upon hours just making stuff. He would, you know, give me little porcelain dolls to paint and I would just make my toys and make whatever I wanted to use in my dollhouse. And I just got kind of crafty that way. And then I have always been really into drawing. And so, um, yeah, it just kind of carried on and I lost touch of that for a really long time. I feel like when I was in high school, I was kind of a party girl and, you know, just let it all go. And then when I had kids, I was like, Oh my gosh, I love doing art. Like this is what my passion is. And like I said, I did the makeup artistry thing for 10 years and I owned a salon and I just didn't like dealing with people. (laughs) So it was just too catty and I just love lifting people up and the positivity and that industry is just wasn't for me and wasn't that. And so I think it's just carried on with me and it's always been a part of who I am forever. Yeah, that's, um, that's really great. You know, I, uh, the episode that actually, um, just went up today, Ashley from She's the Carpenter. Um, she talked about she was raised by her dad as well. And not so much, you know, getting like the making side of things, but um, he was an entrepreneur. So she learned kind of the entrepreneurship side. So it's, it's um, I find it interesting. Those of you who mentioned being raised by your father, it kind of can tell a little bit different story sometimes. 
Um, yeah, I totally yeah. agree. So, uh, what about, so after high school, did you, did you go to college, um, get a degree? I did. So I went to the University of Phoenix for a while and I ended up dropping out because I realized that I do not like school. <laughs> then I went to cosmetology school and like I said, I did that and decided that I wanted to, you know, do the whole makeup and hair thing and carried on with that for a while. And then, you know, it just kind of fizzled out after a few years. It just, after I had kids, it was, I was always working. I was always gone when I had my son and I just wanted to be home with him. And I wanted, I was so determined to find something where I could work for myself, but work from home and somehow include them in the process. Yeah, that's, that's really great. And I think that does drive, you know, a lot of moms to find a way to be able to stay home with their kids, um, you know, but still make an income and make that work. Um, <clears throat> so sidebar, fun fact, I have four members of my family are hairdressers. So I'm... Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about yes. then. Yes, I do. <laughs> Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you kind of started, I think you said in 2014 with the making. Yes. Okay. So what was the first product you started really getting into? So I started out, um, I used to actually paint wine glasses for my family for Christmas. Um, and I've done that forever. And so I started out doing just wine glasses and I would do like, will you be my bridesmaid? Um, just different things for different events. And I started to kind of, you know, put together different packages. And it's so funny because when I first started um, my Etsy, I did not know that everything had to be handmade. I thought like, <laughs> I always like to tweak the rules. So I thought that I could make these gift baskets because I had this idea of like putting wine glasses in these like elaborate gift baskets and I could do one for every holiday. So I made all these gift baskets. So I would go to Target and like add things in with my wine glasses and try and sell it on Etsy. And I swear I was not even on there a month and I almost got kicked off. <laughs> so I learned really quick that that is a no-no and you're not allowed to do that. You know, that's interesting. I, a, I never would have thought of that idea. So kind of kudos to you for that idea. But yeah, I never, I never would have thought about the, the, you know, the homemade function of it, which is really interesting because I'm pretty sure there are people who sell things on there that they didn't hand make, but. I am pretty positive on that too. <laughs> they just haven't got caught yet. Maybe that's the key. Yes. <laughs> so now I'm a rule follower on Etsy because. <laughs> uh, so is Etsy your only shop interface? So, so I um, do Etsy and then I have my website that I sell on as well. Okay. So, you know, just kind of out of my own curiosity, um, which has the better success for selling products? You know, at Etsy does just because they have such a big platform. And I feel like since the new CEO took over Etsy, because um, it wasn't like that before, my website was by far like 2014, 2015. And then when the new CEO took over Etsy, I feel like it's commercialized a lot. So a lot more people know about it. Like oh, over Christmas, I saw a commercial on TV for Etsy and I was like, what? 
And so I feel like it's been pushed a lot more to people that you just have a broader spectrum of people that feel safe purchasing. Because, you know, when you go to a website, sometimes you're like, I don't know if I, you know, this is a private website. Should I buy from here? Yeah. Versus like a corporate place, a lot of people feel safer, especially like the older generation. They feel much better shopping from somewhere like Amazon or Etsy or somewhere that's big. Mm -hmm. So I've had a lot of success with it, especially in the last couple of years. Okay. So is that where you now kind of focus um, pushing your, like your sales funnel is to Etsy? Primarily. And it's nice because the way I have it set up is like anything I post Etsy, I can just use um, the exact same link and put it on my personal website um, and then just tweak a couple coding things. And then the the listing is on my website as well, so they can purchase from my website or Etsy. So I don't have to do double work anymore, which really saves a lot of time. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, you know, and I, I feel like there's definitely a lot of maker moms who go the Etsy route. And I think, right. it, you know, there's definitely a target audience and a target maker that that fits. You know, myself, I started out on Etsy and I was only on there probably like six months. Um, But I tend to produce larger items. And I think just personally, I think Etsy is more geared towards the smaller handmade items where, you know, I completely not going to be. Yeah. Shipping won't be ridiculous and all that stuff. Oh my, I, yeah, I wouldn't be on it. We had um, blanket ladders on there for a while. Um, me and my husband make these super elaborate ones. Someone ordered one for a showroom in New York and we, it was like 12 feet tall and I did not think through the shipping and I was just so gung-ho and excited to do this project and I jumped on board and did uh, the project and when we went to ship it, we had to ship it freight. And it cost almost $500 just to ship the darn thing to New York from California. So I immediately took all blanket ladders off. So I couldn't even imagine the stuff that you do <laughs> in shipping. Yeah. What the cost would be. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's just, it's not the right platform, which I mean, I think is, it was a good lesson to learn. I learned a lot. To me, Etsy was beneficial because it kind of taught me about SEO in a more like, organic fashion you know because you do have to basically bake that into your listings on Etsy to help you get found above your competitors on there Um, so I think and there's so many people selling the same thing so you have to be really clever yep exactly so I think that helped me learn that skill um, basically by being a failure at Etsy to help me learn that skill to transfer over I think to that's my website. so important though. <laughs> like, I think it makes you grow as a maker and entrepreneur so much when, cause I feel like the, the, every failure that I like, I've fallen on my face so many times with, since I started this. And I feel like every one though, I just, I take something away that's so valuable that I'm like, okay, like I know this now and I'm not going to repeat it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when you started making uh, around 2014, were you still doing, were you basically doing both at some point, like the makeup artist and um, 
Yes, Maker. I was for a long time. So I was um, still doing weddings, um, doing makeup at weddings and stuff like that, um, and just events. And then my husband had gotten hired on in San Francisco for the fire department when my daughter was born. And so it was really hard to balance everything. And it just started to get a little overwhelming. And I still, once in a great while, like probably one, once or twice a year, we'll still go do a wedding. But um, when 2015, it was, it was like overnight. It was the weirdest thing ever. And I have no, I still don't know how it happened. But one of my items, it was like mini sippy cup and poppy sippy cup got put on the front page of Etsy, you know, when they email you out, like buy unique gifts or whatever they send out every week. And it got put on the front page and my shop was, went from like, you know, one or two orders a week to like 60 orders a day. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm done. So I just, after that, just focused just on Etsy. And it was so strange because after that, it put me in touch with so many customers that I finally got a good base of people that continued to come back. And from there, I just, yeah, it was game over after that. That's like super awesome. Um, crazy. I was so not prepared. My husband was like running to like 90 stores trying to find me coffee mugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, yeah, I totally understand that. Not in the same, you know, same context, but it never seems to fail when I have like a large order of whatever and I run out of lacquer at the shop and I have to go buy some more. Like I basically end up hitting every hardware store within like a 20 mile radius because I'm like, is everybody using this stuff at the same time? Why is it? <laughs> so true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's always when you need it the most, when you exactly. have like one day to finish it, yeah. you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's really, that's really awesome. Um, so do you feel like turning it into like a major business was a bit of, luck or fate or um maybe a little bit of both I I don't know it I wasn't ever I thought I was really just doing it because my husband was gone three or four days a week I was bored I had a newborn baby that my son was in school and I was I, I'm the type of person that always has to be doing something and so I was stuck at home and I was like man I, I need like some sort of feeling of like I'm contributing to my family or you know doing something and that's all it was ever supposed to be was just kind of a small hobby and so when it did take off and when I was like oh I'm making more of this than I was at my career I you know I just thought I would really try to put everything into it and I'm such a believer in like the universe kind of puts in front of you what you're supposed to do and so I just followed it and tried to chase it as hard as I could. And I feel like, you know, there's definitely been times that I want to quit. And I'm like, this is so frustrating. This is not for me. I can't balance it all. But I keep getting steered back for, you know, some reason. So I feel like I'm on the path I'm supposed to be on. Maybe <laughs> little luck, little fate. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, it takes everything, right? To me, it's like it takes, <laughs> takes, I am totally on board with you with the, uh, with, with kind of that universe set something in your path, uh, intentionally. Um, and I'm a, a rather new kind of believer in that, but I've been lately just being like, you know, if the opportunity lands in my lap, 
I'm, I'm just going to say yes. Cause obviously it's taking me somewhere and it, you know, knows what's going on more than I do. Right. <laughs> um, and nonetheless, it builds character. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Gives you good stories to tell at cocktail parties, right? That's, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and I think you touched on something too about, you know, being home with a newborn, um, wanting to contribute. Personally, I found myself like in that same spot when my, my daughter, my second was born and I was lucky enough, I had saved up enough money that I basically got to be home with her for six months, the first six months of her life. And um, I found myself though, just like really evaluating stuff and realizing that I didn't really feel like myself anymore. I kind of just felt like, you know, I'm a wife and I'm a mom, but where the hell did I go? And so making was kind of my way of, rediscovering myself yes I I get that yeah I think you know especially once you start having more than one kid I think that it's easy to get lost in just like the day-to-day momming stuff that goes on oh absolutely I know and I'm kind of an introvert too and I don't know if you're like this as well but it's like like I have these great ideas in my head that like I really want to be social and then I go, <laughs> I go be social and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to be home just kind of making stuff. Like, Yes. So yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah. I love my zone. It just is like my woosah place. And I feel like you're so right. It gives you that sense of balance that you're not just, you know, doing something for someone else all the time like you get to express yourself in a way but you're still contributing to your fa- it's like a win-win yeah. all around I feel yeah. like and especially when you've got that like newborn stage right um it's like <laughs> really to me whether you breastfeed or not um you know you're still stuck like basically nurturing a child all the time all the time like 22 (laughs) out of 24 hours a day at least Uh, and it's draining right it's draining it can be draining physically it can be draining emotionally and it's just you know trying to hold on to that like a semblance of like yes I am something more than just somebody's food source (laughs) exactly (laughs) um all right so um what would you say, was there anything that you felt maybe held you back from before that, you know, amazing spike on Etsy? Was there anything that was kind of holding you back from the idea of making this a full-time business? Yeah, kind of the fear, just the fear of failure, which I think every maker who's a mom goes through that because, you know, truthfully, finding balance during home is kind of scary especially if you're used to, you know, a regular schedule and routine and everything's kind of new and exciting. And, you know, I, I knew nothing about, I, I was horrible at business when I first started. I made so many mistakes and I lost so much money and thank God I have a patient husband who loves me because (laughs) he really like had to pay for my business to kind of start that first, you know, few months because, I kept, you know, I didn't understand, you know, shipping and I I was charging like $5 for a mug. I was like trying to be Walmart 
And then I realized like, I can't afford to be Walmart. Like I'm, I'm spending like five hours making, you know, one order. And then I realized that, you know, anyone that buys from a maker, I feel like they know how much work goes into it and how much love and detail. And that's why they buy privately from people versus going to somewhere like Target or, you know, to get something that's just generic. And so I really feel like that might've been holding me back a little bit was just, um, I knew that I was not very business savvy when I started and I knew I had a lot to learn and taking on all that is going to be scary. And then, you know, when the whole mug thing happened, it was like, I just got shoved in a hole and I had to figure out how to swim and it worked. And I'm so thankful that happened. And maybe that's, you know, kind of what I needed. I'm a very extreme person. So, so I'm like all in or all out. Yeah, I tend to work much better under like high stress situations. Um, no, I totally like I know even with Christmas today, I'm like busting out orders. I'm like, okay, if I ship priority, I still have seven orders left for Christmas and I stopped it. Yeah. Um I I love that you brought up about like, you know, the five dollar mug. Um <clears throat> Because I've actually found myself privately having this conversation with, you know, other members of the Maker Mom tribe and, you know, reaching out to me about like pricing questions and how do you know, like you're not pricing stuff too high. Um, and I really feel like I need to have like a whole podcast episode just on this because it's a topic that keeps coming up. Um, and I think it's, and I don't know if it's specific to women. I feel though it's probably more so with women of like undervaluing what you're worth, what your time is oh, worth, absolutely. what your skill is worth, all of that. Um, so yeah. how did you kind of move past that? Okay. Are you ready to laugh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is how I function in life. Okay. So I was still charging way under what I should be. And what I did is when I first started and I knew nothing, I was like, you know, my first year I way, you know, lost a ton of money. And then my second year I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to price, I'm going to go do some research. and I'm going to price my stuff the exact same as everyone else's. So I went on there and I priced it $1 lower than all of my competitors. And I was like, okay, I got this. And then I still wasn't making the money that I needed to be making to keep up with everything. And so I was like, you know, and I was so busy and I was just like, you know, I, I'm too busy right now. And Christmas came around and I literally, and I do this every Christmas, I work, I'm kind of a workaholic. So I, I work until like, you know, like today, like the last minute and I'm still taking orders. I'm like, yeah, I can get it to you by Christmas. So, um, the same thing that you were talking about with the pressure. And so last Christmas, I really wanted to just take it easy. We had been trying so hard to get pregnant with my son and um, I just wanted family time and I wasn't getting pregnant. We had a really hard time. And so I doubled my prices just for Christmas because I was like, you know what, that way people won't buy it. I'm going to be really slow. So my mugs were $7 and I put them at fourteen fifty. And then I still had shipping and everything on top of that. So I was like, you know, no one's going to pay $20 for a mug. <laughs> and I totally kicked myself because my business like tripled when I raised my prices. And I don't, I don't know what caused it. I don't know if people wanted to feel like they were like, you know, spending $20 on a gift for someone or like that was substantial to them. 
so then this year, Etsy had sent out an email and they said, you know, they, they wanted to offer free shipping to everyone. And I was like, I can't afford to do free shipping. And so I read on this article and it was saying that you double your prices and then you offer free shipping and people will, more people will buy because they don't want to pay shipping. So in their minds, they're saving money when really they're paying a lot more. Um, and I was like, gosh, that's kind of like robbing people. I just don't feel honest doing that. And um, I was really slow at the start of the season this year. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do a couple items and just see what happens. And this was my busiest year ever. And all because I, and so now I have, you know, a mug on there for $21.50 and free shipping. And it is, it's just insane to me. I will never understand it, even as a customer standpoint. And it's kind of goes back to what you were saying. I feel like as women, we just kind of, you know, in our minds kind of have that negative self-talk. And I think every woman, whether they admit it or not, does this. But they have that negative self-talk of like, I'm not worth this. Oh, that person does it better. That, that company has something cooler. You know, you just are constantly like comparing yourself instead of realizing your worth and realizing like, hey, I spent three hours painting this dang mug and I deserve $20 for three hours of my time. Like, and just realizing and knowing that like, you know, you are being honest. You are, you're spending all this time and putting all this love into a product that you're sending out to someone. And people know that. And I think like once you realize your worth and your value, people respect that. And I think that with the pricing thing, it's just, it can be so tricky. <laughs> but I feel like once you get it and once you know, you know, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. And actually, um, I'm not totally laughing because you're not far off from what I've told um, some of those maker friends that, you know, <clears throat> again, a, a lot of the maker moms I'm close with, we all make kind of bigger, like furniture, like pieces. Um, but I told them basically like, keep adding a hundred dollars to your price until somebody tells you no, because right. that's when you know, <laughs> you, you're not meant to be for everybody, but somebody who can look at what you've made and value what you've made, they will pay that price. Um, and, and, you know, the, and when talking with these women, usually the response I get is like, really, really? That's what, uh, and it's like, yes, because I mean, think about how much time you have in that item. And are you really willing to only pay yourself a dollar an hour? You know, when it, when exactly. it boils down to it. Um, so yeah. And then on the flip side of that, I'm glad you brought up the increased sales because I think to some degree it's probably a lot to do with like psychology right and I think to some degree especially for handmade items it's it's just like art right in an art gallery like you could seriously see a canvas with like a dot in the center of it and if it's the same canvas side by side and one is selling for a hundred dollars and one is selling for a thousand dollars the thousand dollar one is probably going to sell first. Exactly. It's a perceived value then, right? If you're putting that higher price point on it, it lets off that perceived value. And I think everybody wants to own a little piece of luxury, whatever that item may be. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I agree with you. And it's funny because it's so scary when you do take that leap though, when you're like, 
okay, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. And then, you know, you hear crickets for a little bit and you start to panic and you want to like kind of revert really fast. <laughs> and I think it's just so important to like, just remember that, you know, and you, you said something that I think is just so huge too, is that you're not for everyone. Like we're not supposed to be for everyone and that's okay. Like that's, it wouldn't be exciting if we were for everyone. It would just, you know, then exactly. we would turn into Walmart. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I think this is, you know, like, um, this year I've had, like, I had the biggest sale I've had so far, and it it was this resin table, and I remember when I took it to the showroom and she asked, you know, how much you want to put on it, and I, like, cringed as I told her I want 3400 for it, and and she's like, okay, you know, she didn't bat an eye to put that price on it. Now, it didn't sell for quite that much but it sold for pretty close to that and you know I had people in my you know like my family and close friend circle who were like are you nuts you can't ask that for a table I'm like yes I can because to be quite honest I'm still losing money at that point like I'm still undervaluing myself at that price point for that table but you know what it took two months and it was sold And I had other people, you know, I've gotten commissioned jobs off of that and they're not batting an eye at spending that same price for a commission table. So I think it it very much just like your story, it's like you, you have to take that leap of faith that you're worth it. Yeah. And the man hours that go into it, it's just, yeah. you know, I feel like when you break, like when you break it down to how much you're getting paid an hour and we really, I, I, same thing. Like I talk to moms too and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, charging this much. I'm like, cool. So you're making like 25 cents an hour. That's yep. awesome. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And especially for stuff like you do, like the big stuff, like that takes days, yeah, weeks. Yep. I couldn't, yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, yeah, I just feel like that was just a really great part of our conversation there. <laughs> um, yeah. It's been popping up a lot for me lately. So that's, that's funny. I had a lot of people reach out to me about it this year too. It's um, funny how that works. Yeah. By any chance, is it a, a topic you cover in your book? Is what? Is by any chance is it a topic you cover in your book? It does. Yeah. I have a whole chapter on it. Nice. All right. So there you go. Everybody who's listening, go out and get Courtney's book. (laughs) You can read more about it, please. (laughs) Okay. So how, how do you manage all this being, you know, a mom of three and a maker and an entrepreneur all at the same time? I, you know, I just started doing something called block scheduling, which has completely changed my life. Um, I used to try and like, you know, really be planned and organized and kind of the night before plan out my day, like minute by minute. And that worked for a while for me. And then Tristan came and he kind of turned our world upside down. (laughs) So some days like I'm up till six in the morning with the baby. And so i drop my son off at school and I have to lay back down for a couple hours. So like having a schedule is not even, I can't even attempt this schedule right now. (laughs) 
So I heard about something called block scheduling and I started it about a month ago and it is the only way that I feel like I can like truly focus on what needs to be done. And that's because I squirrel really easy. I'll be like doing the dishes and I'm like, oh, I tried this blog post. And so I'll run and do the blog and then I'm like, oh, I forgot to change the laundries. <laughs> like nothing gets done. And I sit down at the end of the day and I'm like, what did I do? And so I started doing every day I focus on just one thing. So like one day I will just focus on Etsy and I will give myself a time frame. So um, I'll like put my daughter, I'll have her making slime or something while my son's in school, while Tristan's napping and I'll go get my Etsy orders done. And I give myself, you know, I'm going to do this until two o'clock and at two o'clock I will, you know, I'm going to go get my son from school. He's going to come home. We're going to do homework. And then when I put them to bed, I'm going to sit and finish my Etsy order. So just that one day I'm doing Etsy. And then the next day I'll do like just my blog. And so I'll reach out to people I need to reach out to and get all my articles done for companies or whatever I have for the week. And I, I try and do it. I try and plan ahead of time. So I'll sit and do like a month worth of blogs, but I'll do it in one night and then just publish, you know, like post publish to when they're going to go on live. And that's huge because then, you know, for the whole month, my work's done. And then with my influencing stuff, um, that's just fun. And I always include the kids in it. Like I, we just, we'll go do pictures randomly of things we're doing when we're out and about. And I try and just include the products or whatever I need to do with that. And so, like I said, I try and like bring them into it, which makes me feel like I'm a little more balanced with everything. Um, because I feel like they're constantly included somehow, some way. Um, and so that's been really huge for me just to be able to not feel like I'm, you know, I'm always, I feel like, you know, as an entrepreneur and I'm sure you can relate to this, you feel like you're all like, you are always working. Like there's no off days. There's no, you know, you're always trying to think of new things to improve yourself and improve your business and keep moving forward and I feel like if you can get creative with that when you do have kids and you are a mom and you are an entrepreneur, like I feel like it makes that whole balance gig a little smoother. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, you are correct. Like <clears throat> you're always working. If you're awake, you're working pretty much. Yeah. Um, so A, I think maybe I need to look into that whole block scheduling because I have felt like yeah like at the end of the day like what the hell did I get done today and then exactly <laughs> and then B you know for those of you for those who may be listening that don't um follow you and don't know you know especially your kind of recent past um would you mind talking about you know two months ago how your life kind of got turned upside down a bit Yes, absolutely. Um, so we, I'm a planner, like I am very controlled OCD. <laughs> My life is planned out to a T. Like I was saying, I used to write everything down like minute by minute. And I had a scheduled C-section um, with my son, Tristan. I had two other C-sections. And so, and they were, I've never gone into labor naturally. My body just doesn't do it. And um, I was due in the middle of November. And I ended up, um, my son was born on October 14th. I got up and my older son was at a slumber party and I got up and I was like, oh my God, I peed myself. This sucks. What is this? 
and I've never had my water break. I didn't know what that felt like. And I imagined it was like Niagara Falls breaking, you know, like I had this like really dramatic scene of what a water breaking was. And um, my whole pregnancy, I was really, really sick. Um, and I kept telling my doctor, I was like, I think something's wrong. I think something's wrong. And he's like, no, everything's healthy. Everything's great. You're, you know, scheduled for your C-section. We're going to do it early. It's going to be on November 14th and we'll do it a week early so he doesn't get too big. And so I had this great plan. And then when um, I thought I peed myself, I was walking around the house doing the dishes. I didn't have contractions or anything. And I kept like, you know, kind of had a trail going behind me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I should probably call my husband. And so I called him and he was at work in San Francisco, which is three hours away from where we live. And I was like, oh my God, I think my water might've broke. I'm going to go into labor and delivery. And I think any mom can relate to this. Like, you know, you go to labor and delivery and 99.9% .9 of the time you get sent home. And so I was like, don't come home from work. It's probably nothing. They're probably just going to give me, you know, something and send me home. And so I drove my daughter and my son down to the hospital. And um, while I was there, I was kind of like leaving a little trail behind me, walking to the room. And I sat down and the nurse kind of looked at me and then walked out of the room and just shut the door. And I was like, huh, that's strange. And so they ended up having a surgeon come in right after and my two kids are um my older ones are three and eight so they're at the stage where they fight a lot so they're like choking each other out with the blood pressure cuff I'm like about to lose my marbles I'm like I just need to go home and the surgeon comes in and he has an ultrasound machine and he tells me that we're going into an immediate surgery because my water broke and he has to come out and so he told the surgeon no, and I was like, um, that's not my plan. Like, he can't come right now. And he told me basically that um, Tristan was in distress and needed to come out because um, he, you can't obviously be pregnant while your water is broken. So I had a friend come get my kids, and my husband got from San Francisco to the hospital in an hour flat. I have no idea how. And... Uh, they took me in for immediate surgery and uh, I had this thing in my mind when he cried that everything was going to be okay and because you know they come out they cry you're like oh they're healthy and you breathe and everything's good and I had told them that I wanted to do the skin to skin contact after he was born and they just took him like I had no idea what was going on no one told me anything uh, a ton of doctors and nurses came rushing up. They held him up to the tent um, when you're eating your C-section. And he was the tiniest thing I had ever seen. I thought he was going to come out being 10 pounds and he was this little tiny peanut. And uh, the doctors and nurses came up and they put him on a table. And all I heard was he's not breathing. Um, he can't breathe on his own. And they came and they let me see him for like, maybe two seconds my husband snapped a picture and he was gone I had no idea where he was um, no idea what was wrong with him and as a mom it was like the scariest feeling I've ever had to not know if my baby was alive I, I had no idea what was going on um, and so they ended up doing um, a scar removal so my surgery was longer than expected um, and so I had to sit on that table for 20 minutes and it was the most lonely, stressful time I've ever experienced in my life. 
Um, they had Jack Johnson playing in the background, and I don't think I can ever listen to Jack Johnson again. Um, and then they walked me to the recovery room, and I remember just sitting there like in hysterics. I've never cried like that in my life. I, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk to anyone. I was just a hot mess. Like I could not function. And so um, I had asked my husband to go to the NICU to be with our son um, and just let me be. And so he left and went to the surgery and I had to sit there for an hour. And they told me that I wasn't going to be able to see Tristan until the next day. And I was like, hell no, that's not, you're not going to keep me from my kid that I just carry that I have no idea what's wrong with him. You're going to let me see him. And so they said, um, well, you're still numb. So if you can wiggle your toes, I'll put you in a wheelchair and sink you down there for just a few. And so literally 15 minutes after surgery and my epidural, I forced myself to wiggle my toes and I was walking an hour after my C-section and I just walked um, and went and saw him and he was hooked up to all these monitors and his lung, what happened was, um, I guess it's really common with boys who are preemies, um, their lungs don't develop yet. And so his right lung was completely collapsed and filled with amniotic uh, fluid. And so they had to put him on a CPAP machine um, to, you know, help him breathe and open up that lung. And so um, my husband w could only stay with me the first night. And I just remember, you know, you already have all the hormones kind of going through you that first night. You don't sleep anyways after you have a baby. And so I just remember sitting in that room and hearing this stupid lullaby that they would play every time a new mom walked in with her baby. And I just remember just sitting there and sobbing that I didn't have my baby and all these other moms did. And I was only allowed to go down to the NICU the first couple of days, um, just a couple of times a day. So I remember just sitting in this room, watch, watching uh, Chicago PD pumping, just crying because I didn't have Tristan with me. and. Um, I couldn't talk to anyone. I didn't want, I had this idea of what my birth was going to be like with him. And it was, it, we wanted four originally. And then after him, I was like, I, you know, there's no way we could ever do this again. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was not planned. It was horrible. And I, the only thing I could do, and I was so scared to put it on to social media. Um, but I had a lot of people that were like, uh, yeah, you haven't been posting you, you know, is everything okay? And everyone knew I had a rough pregnancy and my family had been reaching out and friends wanted to come to the hospital. And I just couldn't, like, I just needed to be by myself. And I just went into survival mode. Like I just wanted to make sure my baby was healthy and make sure he was okay. And I just, everything else just kind of got shut out. So I started posting on social media, just, you know, kind of updates about, you know, day one, day two you know the tubes came out this came out this went back on um just kind of keeping everyone up to date and i could not even believe the amount of support and i'm gonna cry even talking about the amount of support that happened from moms that have been through the exact same thing because when you're in it like you feel like you're on an island you're like oh my god like no one could ever understand how i'm feeling right now and it's insane to me the amount of moms that have been through this and the amount of people that like you know have walked the same walk and just it was like it was like I was being held up by all these people that it, funny people that I never you know never met never knew and it was like I had NICU nurses that were reaching out to me that I didn't even know followed me and they were helping me and you know letting me know that everything was going to be okay and telling me what questions to ask the doctors and 
it was it was quite the experience and we you know when we got him home on day 10 um it was really hard for my kids because i had never been away from my daughter overnight either and so leaving the hospital and coming home without the baby on day four was really traumatic for my other kids too and so trying to be strong for them while constantly having to drive down to the hospital to feed Tristan. It was me and my husband both were just in survival mode. So when we got him home, it was like, we all just crashed. It was just like we had been just go, 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 no sleep. No, you know, just trying to make everything work and function. And so, um, yeah, so now we're on month two and I feel like it's just a blip on the radar, but my gosh, it was definitely the most, traumatic thing I've ever been through in my life. (laughs) Yeah. uh, First of all, I wish I could just like reach through and give you a big giant hug Um, (laughs) because um, virtual hug, (laughs) virtual hug. I can't imagine. Um, Both my kids were also born uh, via C-section and nothing, you know, that traumatic at birth by any means, but my daughter got a fever uh, when she was seven days old, and which requires a hospital stay and tests. Like she had her first um, spinal tap and everything like that to make sure she didn't have an infection. And I was that mom like sobbing as they're like trying to get like a teeny tiny um, IV into her and not succeeding. Um, and her being taken away so she could be like x-rayed and everything like that and sobbing out in the hallway and just anxious not being able to get back to her. So I don't fully understand, but a little bit. And it is definitely traumatic. Um, like you said, all those hormones and stuff pumping too. Like we're wired to take care of our little ones. And so um, yeah. you definitely go into like worry mode and it's hard. It's definitely hard when you feel helpless to help them. Oh, yes. Especially yeah. when that's like, you know, that's what we're made to do. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm so glad that he is home and doing well now. Um, now he's a chunk of monk. We just hit the yeah. 11 pound mark. He <laughs> he's a little fighter. That's good. That's good. Yes. I also have to chuckle a little bit because, like, my daughter was almost that size when she was born. So. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. She was she was a 10-pound, 4-ounce baby. She was a, a big girl. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank God for C-sections, right? <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm not that, like, big in the torso, so it was not a fun pregnancy by any means. Um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know we, yeah. my wife and I, we see like little babies now, like brand new little babies. And it's like, oh, remember when they were that little? I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Neither one of mine were ever that little. But that's hilarious. I could not even <laughs> imagine. My daughter was nine. And when she popped out, I was like, she's like a toddler. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. I, I know. It was like, kind of was like, man, she looks like she's three months old. <laughs> she was born you know (laughs) you're like I have so much for newborn clothes yeah exactly exactly um but yeah 
Um, (laughs) um, Okay, so I I feel like you've shared a little bit as we've been talking, but what do you feel like is your favorite part about being a maker? Oh, I... I think my favorite part is just being able to express myself in a creative way Um, and to be able, I think it's really cool. And I'm sure that you can probably touch on this too, is that I think it's so special to be able to, um, my husband makes fun of me because I really want to leave a legacy for my kids. Like I truly want them to remember me as this hardworking woman who you know, provided for them and did all these great things and they have all these wonderful memories. And like you were saying, you know, handing, you know, different like things to your kids to help or them grabbing stuff and, you know, making memories with them. And I just feel like when they get older, maybe I could pass something down to them. Like my daughter is super creative and I hope to, and my son loves to write. Like he is, he wants to be a writer when he's older. And so I feel like, their passions like I look at them and I'm like you know I don't I don't know if they would have that passion if they weren't introduced to it through what I'm able to do for work and being a maker like it's just special to be able to have them watch me and role model that that you can do like really anything that you want to do in this day and age and it's so special and I think it's just so amazing and especially us as women like we didn't always have that opportunity to do whatever we wanted to do and so being able to um be an entrepreneur and be your own boss and learn all these great things and take them kind of along the way with me. I think that is probably the most special thing to me about doing it is that I kind of get to pave my own way and fall and stumble. And it's kind of beautiful because like you were saying, like you learn so much valuable things that I don't think any college could ever teach you because you're, you're in it, you know, and everyone's story is just so different. Like, you know, I talk to different maker moms all the time and just hearing each individual person's struggles and successes. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Um, so what would, what would you say is your favorite part about being a mom? Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was little, I just, that's all what I wanted to be was a mom. <laughs> so funny. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think, a good question. I think just uh, being able to have that experience to love, like, you know, as a mom, and I, I'm sure every single mom can, you know, relate to this, is that that feeling of loving someone so much that your heart feels like it's going to just explode, you know, and just having that experience of life that, you know, I get to watch them walk through things and teach them things and be a part of um, just their journey. It's, I just think it's so special. Just being a mom is such a privilege and I am so lucky to be one. And I, I just think that, you know, any mom that goes through that experiences, you know, there's, there's hard times. And like, like I was saying earlier, it just it really builds your character <laughs> and it makes you learn that you are capable of pretty much anything. I mean, you have to be, one strong woman to be a mama. That is very, very true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cause you're probably go through every range of emotion on a daily basis. I feel like. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I feel like you hit everyone like several times. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So I feel like, Courtney, that like you pretty much like you do all the things, right? So you're a maker, um, entrepreneur, a writer, a blogger, DIYer, and um, and also working uh, with with sponsorship opportunities. So, you know, and, and maybe not so much nowadays but do you feel like at least I feel like you know maybe even just 10 years ago like I don't know if all of that was as available to women as it is now do you know do you feel like there's been any kind of do you feel like there's been any kind of uphill struggles with it yes and I was just um I was just telling someone the other, that's so funny you brought that up because I literally was just saying that I think that like normal ads, um, you know, like billboards and things like that are going to go away the way that, um, because I mean, influencing and sponsorships and it kind of all ties together, which is cool with making. And um, there's just so many opportunities out there that I feel like weren't there five, you know, six years ago. And I, I used to think, you know, as I got older, that opportunities would start to go away because I'm not 20 years old anymore. <laughs> and it's funny because I feel like there are just so many, um, so many opportunities out there for anyone. Like you don't have to be a certain shape, size, you know, cookie cutter status, you know, to to do things. Like there's there's something for everyone. And I feel like now the market um, in general is so special and so unique and so custom to um, different companies. And it's so tailored towards women in a different way that it never has been before. But I truly feel like if you work hard and you reach out to people and you, you know, start connecting and making, um, you know, that effort every single day, it's like the sky is truly the limit for anyone that, you know, has just some motivation and a little bit of talent and can push, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, so is there any advice or words of wisdom you would give, or maybe you've already given to other moms out there who kind of want to get into the whole making world? Yeah, just not let fear, you know, overcome you, knowing your worth and knowing that, you know, you can do this and you're capable of this. And I feel like everyone has a talent or at least everyone has a drive that you can practice. And gosh, I wish I could be visual here and show you. When I first started painting, um, I don't know how, like I, a picture, you know, Facebook memories pop up. Um one of from like a few Christmases ago, this order popped up that I made and I looked at it and I was like, Oh my gosh, like sinking in my chair, cringing. I was like, I can't believe anyone ever bought that. Like, I can't believe I made that. But you know, after you make something a thousand times, you get really damn good at it. And I just feel like practice. It's the same thing of riding your bike, you know, it's just being not scared to take the training wheels off, to be able to just go and know that, you know, I got this, I'm going to fail. And just accepting that failure and taking it in a positive way, taking critique in a positive way, because I feel like as an entrepreneur, that is so huge that you have to take, you know, be able to take uh, constructive criticism. 
um, and just take it and twist it into something positive and wonderful that, you know, that's great that you said that because now I'm going to do this, this, and this differently. And you learn and you just get better and better and better. And so I feel like starting out can be really scary, especially, you know, when you're trying to figure out your balance or whatever you want to call it with, you know, if you're a mom and you're a maker and you're, you know, doing it at night when they're sleeping or whatever your thing is to balance, I feel like when you finally figure out what works for you and your family, um, to just go in at 120% because there's, like I said, there's so many different avenues right now and places that are, you know, really opening up for, I mean, there's the Shopify, you can build your own site in like 10 minutes. There's, you know, like there truly is no limit to what we are capable of doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what um, are some big things that you plan on hitting hard in 2019? I am excited for 2019. I really am. So we actually have a podcast too coming out in March. Um, and then we have uh, my second book is coming out in September. And so there's a couple big things. And then I am just kind of focusing right now on balancing the whole mom of three thing and my husband's going to be gone soon, and so it's going to be it's going to be a roller coaster. But I'm excited for it. Yeah, I I know you have this. You will. I think you'll surprise yourself even a little bit. Um, when you see pictures of me on Instagram pulling my hair out, <laughs> I'll I'll make sure I'll write that message right in there that you got this girl because perfect. <laughs> Okay, so how can, I mean, because you're doing all the things, how can people find you? So I'm on Instagram um, at The Sweetest Little Life, and my website and blog is uh, www.thesweetestlittlelife.com, and you can get my book there too. Okay, awesome. Um, That's awesome. So thank you so much uh, for talking with me today. I feel like there's so much... Uh, wisdom that you shared and uh, I really love hearing about your journey and I think uh, the listeners will enjoy it as well. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed that. That was so much fun. See, what did I tell you? Such a great episode with Courtney. We covered so many different topics, learned a lot about her journey. I think she shared so much wisdom with us that there's something for everybody to take away for sure. So don't forget to go check her out on Instagram and her website. I will include links to both of those in the show notes if you want to check those out, www.makermompodcast.com. And just a reminder for right now, that's going to send you to the Freeman Furnishings website homepage. Just hit podcast and you can see all of uh, the show notes this episode and all the past episodes up there. Also, one more reminder, check out Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Maker Mom podcast to join the Maker Mom tribe. Check out the tier levels and the patron only content, including throw a little carrot out there for you. Since we got into a pretty good discussion about pricing, I'm going to go ahead and throw up the spreadsheet that I have put together and that I use uh, to do my pricing. Uh, for all of my projects. I'm going to put it on the Patreon 
uh, Maker Mom podcast website. And if you become a patron, you have access to that to use it for whatever you may see fit or just to get an idea of how I do pricing. All right. Until next week. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.